Uh, we are continuing our series in um, uh, God Wants You to Be Holy uh, Rather Than Happy. And the, the tagline that we've been using is that holiness is what makes happiness possible. Um, that in, in holiness here is, is the, the holiness of a community. And if you uh, missed the first sermon in this series, I encourage you to go back because it explains why I'm calling what used to be called the Ten Commandments, the Ten Principles, and why they are a part of a community ethic and not necessarily just something that I do individually. And we're seeing each week that when a community is basically in line with those Ten Commandments, that community flourishes, it thrives. And when that community, when communities are out of line with the principles, the community flops and fails. And really bad things happen. We're going to see that again as we talk about everyone's favorite topic, sex. So let's look at Deuteronomy 5, 18. You shall not commit adultery. Um, we have a problem in our culture where uh, adultery, that's the old-fashioned way of saying cheating. Cheating on your uh, spouse, your partner. Um, we have a problem in our, our culture because we don't understand what sex is about anymore. We've lost this. And so we're going to start today by, by reminding ourselves what the Bible, what, how God, what God designed sex for. Because if we know that, then we're, it's going to be a lot easier for us to understand the importance of this principle. And so we're going to go back to Genesis. Genesis 1 and 2. God starts talking about sex at the very beginning of the Bible because God knows sex is a, it's a big deal. Uh, God blessed Adam and Eve, said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea, the birds in the sky, every living creature that moves on the ground. Uh, that, that sounds a little harsh in English, um, subdue and rule. But really what it means is, it means like make it flourish. Make, make the, the world flourish. The animals need our help. Because if, if, they, if they're left to their own devices, they're just going to eat each other. And possibly us. And so we, we're, we're called, we have this mission from God to, to make the earth flourish, to make the earth, uh, a bountiful. And how are we gonna do that? We're gonna do that as a family. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and increase in number. Uh, Adam and Eve, get to work. Uh, it's not, we're not just, we're not just here to, to have fun. We, we, we need kids. And, uh, some of you in this congregation have done a really, really good job with this. You've, uh, you know, I, who's winning right now? Is it Jeff? Jeff Stora? What do you got? Six? <laughs> yeah, man. Why are you quitting now, dude? Let's go. Get to seven, the holy number. Uh, we've got three, so we're doing a pretty good. Um, for those of you with, you know, oh, where, where's Brent and Orchid? Only one child. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, no, the, the, the point is, is that what God wants from sex is he wants children, family. And then, uh, look, look at this next text. This is from Genesis 2. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united, cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. Uh, cleave is one, English is a silly language. Um, and one of the ways that it's silly is the word cleave means both to come together and hold together and also means to cut in half. It's one of the only words in the language that means itself and its opposite. So, a little tip for you there. Leave and cleave. Uh, we're, we're, we're supposed to leave our parents at a, at a certain point, and we're supposed to become one. So stick with it. 
Now, the reason this is foreign to us, who is responsible for this? Who is responsible for, for making so we don't remember what sex is about anymore? Well, I got the picture. Walt Disney. Walt Disney has absolutely ruined our cultural understanding of sex. Um, notice this. Notice that if you go back through the Disney catalog, how many, um, how many characters come from like an intact family? None. There's always like, it's either like, you know, Andy has his mom. We don't know what happened to Andy's dad. And so he has to play with Buzz, Buzz Lightyear. Right? And then notice the climax of the movie. The climax of the movie is what? It's, it's when, it's when, when Jasmine and Aladdin, when they kiss. Romance. That's the end of the movie. That's when we know the movie's over because that's what the whole point, right? Fall in love. Find your soulmate. That's the, the message that we get from Disney. That is not the message of the Bible. If the Bible, uh, if the Bible were in charge of, of, of the climax of a Disney movie, it wouldn't be when they fall in love. It would be when they uh, have like some kids and things are really stressful and they look at each other and say, we're not going to quit. That would be the climax of the Bible's version of sex. And so the first thing to note is that sex, it, the, the, the principle, the seventh principle is that sex is for creating and sustaining a family. I'll talk a little bit more about the sustaining bit, but this is why uh, sex is good to continue. <laughs> when you're, even, even, if, even if you're done having children, it's important to continue it. And we'll talk more about that because you're, it's part of sustaining a family. So when we look now, knowing what sex is about, when we look at this command again, do not commit adultery. What is the theology? What's the philosophy behind it? Why is it so critical for a community? And, and, and could it even be broader than just cheating? Could, could, could there be an ethic about sex that's, that's even bigger than just cheating? Well, if we look at Genesis and we look at the stories of um, the Bible, the kings, every single time people start having sex with multiple spouses, wives, what something horrible happens. So I got a, a this is a 17th century uh, Czech um, artist, and he this is when uh, in in Genesis 21, I think 16, I can't remember. When uh, and Sarah, Abraham's wife, says, I want you to sleep with my servant so you can have a son, right? Abraham and, and Sarah, they don't have kids, and they're getting old. And you can see in this picture, uh, one of the things that's really great about it is how uh, Hagar, her servant, is like this, this stunningly beautiful, like, maid, right? And she's bright, she's, she's and presumably very exciting for Abraham, and so he, he does, he does what his wife says. He has, he has sex with her. She gets pregnant. And then everything falls apart. She, she starts despising her, her, uh, her mistress, uh, Sarah. Later when she has, um, her son, her son grows up. And then when she gets pregnant and, and has a, and has a baby Isaac, her son Ishmael, uh, makes fun of and despises, uh, Isaac. And so she's forced to like, she's like, I can't take this anymore. She sends, um, Hagar and Ishmael away. Like it, it's just, it's brutal. What happens? And all of it could have been prevented if Abraham had just said, 
If God wants to give me a child like he promised, he's going to do it. And if he doesn't, that's okay. There's that old song. It's like a, I think it's an R&B, maybe Motown. And it, it, the, 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 the chorus, maybe the title is, Love the One You're With. Do you remember that song? Um, and the idea is, is that, yeah, of course, you may at some point be attracted to someone that's not your spouse. You may at some point want to give up. The seventh principle says, love the one you're with. Why? Right now, um, the United States of America has, um, I think it's 23% of the children in this country, uh, next slide, Marilyn, um, live without a father figure. 18.2 million. This is the highest in the world. Uh, for, for comparison, in India, it's like 7%. In China, it's 3%. In the United States, 23% of kids don't have a father figure. That's not even like, that's, that, there's no adopted father, there's no stepfather, there's just nobody there. Um, we, ne- the next one, we know um, the impact of fatherlessness is is. Out, is Absolutely profound. Uh, 90% of homeless children, 63% of teen suicides, 85% of teens with behavioral disorders live in fatherless homes. And it's not just fatherlessness, okay? There's other ways, and fatherlessness, maybe it comes from cheating, maybe it doesn't, but the point is there's, there's this breakdown in this notion of love the one you're with. And as that breaks down, the, the consequences get worse and worse and worse. Now, uh, you know, internet pornography is like, it's a thing. Uh, next one, Marilyn. Um, this is crazy. <laughs> a 2018 survey of 1,036 adults, 98% of the, the men, this, uh, their ages were like uh, 19 to 35 uh, 73% of women said they'd looked at porn online in the last six months. Um, for those of you who like are like, ah, oh, you know, porn's not that big a deal. Um, actually, it's been having like a really, really bad effect on marriages. Uh, this next one, the, the sex therapist in the UK, um, 90% of them said that they're they're coming having to do more counseling with couples because pornography had, had created a rift. Typically, uh, it, it, the, it's the wife that, uh, that, that feels um, hurt by it, um, but it can be the husband as well. Uh, and one of the things that's going on is that pornography creates teens, teens and young, young people, this is for you, okay? It creates like a super unrealistic expectation for what actual sex is like. Um, and we are seeing now, um, kids who are growing up with abundant pornography and they're unable to, um, get erections in normal, uh, in normal sexual situations 
because what they're seeing online is desensitize them. They're now, uh, they're, they, ha- they have to see violence. They have to see degradation. And that's what arouses kids now. Crazy. Moreover, um, this last, there was a survey of a bunch of uh, women who'd been victims of sex trafficking. And 63% of them, these are underage, by the way, 63% of sex trafficked minors um, had been filmed. And the sex was put on the internet. Um, and the, the, uh, the ad- advocates against pornography, they, they say what's really weird is as um, the pornography gets more and more violent, more and more de- degrading, it's actually impossible to tell the difference between a sex-trafficked minor and a professional porn actress. And so pornography is... Um, helping uh, create uh, more of incentive for uh, sex trafficking worldwide. Love the one you're with. If, if you can have a culture and a community of loving the one that you're, you're with, a lot of these things go away. And ultimately, it's the children who are the hardest hit. Jesus does have a way to solve this problem, the, 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 the problem of not loving the one you're with. And Jesus says this in Matthew 5. You've heard it said you shall not commit adultery, what we just read. I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, Jesus understands that sex is an incredibly powerful thing. And what starts out with just like playing with a little bit of fire, you know, like hanging out with, you know, not your wife or whatever, or, you know, viewing just a couple of things online just to, you know, like take care of business. That, that you're, you're playing with fire there and it start, and if you're not careful, it, it, it turns into a raging inferno that can destroy your entire family, your life. Um, and it can, damage your body and your brain. And so Jesus says the key is to recognize that loving the one you're with or not doing that, it's a, it's a cyclical thing. It starts out small, but it can get out of control. And so Jesus says that in order to do that, you know, sabotage that cycle, stop it from getting started. Just, just don't, don't even get close to it. And then, then you can avoid the raging inferno of what can happen if you don't. That's the next thing in your note sheets. Uh, seventh principle, break the cycle of bad sex. It's cyclical, it expands, and you have to break the cycle. Now at this point in the sermon, uh, some of us are squirming a little bit. Um... Some of us are, maybe, um, you haven't loved the one you were, you're with. Or maybe the one you were with didn't love you. Maybe you feel guilt, you feel shame about uh, things that you do <laughs> in private. Hold on to this. This is the Apostle Paul in Romans 10. 
He's quoting Isaiah. He says, a scripture says anyone who believes in him, Jesus, will never be put to shame. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is not a place for shame. I'm not here to shame anybody. Uh, if you're feeling shame, uh, you don't have to. Don't. Stop. Um, you're, you're renewed every morning. Every single morning, you're renewed in the love of Christ. There is, there is no, there's no place for shame here. There's no place for guilt here. You must remember that you are forgiven. <laughs> if we think about it, like, when Jesus dies at the cross, he addresses every single sin, past, present, and future, all of them. And so once you've believed whatever is in your past, whatever is in your present, it's all been addressed. There is no room for you to live in shame and guilt. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to do better. Uh, so the last thing in your note sheet, break the cycle of shame and guilt. You're forgiven. I, uh, I know a lot of guys, uh, <laughs> I remember when I was in seminary, when we first got to, when I first got to seminary, uh, my buddy Mike and I, um, Mike who now pastors in Minnesota, he's our, he's my, my sermon writing partner, he and I started a small group. And, uh, we, all we wanted to do was like, you know, study the Bible together, but it was, it was, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. Like, literally within, you know, two weeks, our small group had gone from three people to like 20, and it was basically like a pornography accountability group. And I was like, I, I don't want to do this. I, I want to look at it. But the, 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 point, the point was, like, these are all guys married, unmarried, who were just like, just totally like addicted. Um, I had a friend, uh, one of my friends uh, in this group, it was crazy. He, uh, he, he's like sitting there, he's confessing, he's like, it's like, on the night of my honeymoon, after I slept with my wife, I went downstairs and I looked at more porn. I was like, dude, this is depressing. But it's not until he recognized, dude, you're forgiven, that he was able to begin making strides. He recognized that all the shame and the guilt was just creating more and more secrecy, more and more um, disaster, man. And so how do we do it? How do we, how do we break this cycle? Well, the first thing is if you are involved in bad sex, and I say bad sex because it's, it could be anything, man. It could be anything. It could be, you know, you're looking at other women or you're having an emotional affair with some person or, you know, whatever it looks like where it's, it's breaking up that love, the one you're with. If, if you're involved in that, get accountability. I talked with our elder board and our staff uh, this week, and the elder board and the staff are committed to accountability on this issue. So, uh, if you're like, if you if you want some accountability, we are willing to pay for uh, Covenant Eyes. Um, that's a it's a it's a, an accountability software you can put on devices and phones if you have issues. Um, and and as far as like other types of bad sex, like like you you have to you have to get it out. That's the next thing. Um, shame and secrecy, uh, it's a trap that can only be broken by confession. Like if you're, you have to be open and honest about what you're feeling or not feeling with your spouse or your husband or your wife, um, uh, your girlfriend, your friends. If, if you, if you don't, 
put it this way. So you guys know that uh, I have some mental health issues. Well, I remember when I was in my 20s, um, I had a, a, a version of obsessive compulsive disorder. And it caused me to have um, just really, really horrible thoughts. Um, and I, and, and they were, they were so bad that I, I just, I, I couldn't share them with anyone. I, I felt trapped because I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't say to anyone, this is what's going on inside me. I was too, I was too ashamed. And it wasn't until, uh, I started doing therapy and it wasn't until I was able to tell my parents what was going on that I began to get on a path to get better. That's the same thing with bad sex. You gotta, Get it out. And if you're looking for someone to trust who won't judge you, I'm your guy. I don't judge anybody for pretty much anything. Um, I'm not a judgy dude. Uh, I don't think God's a judgy God. And I believe that Jesus um, is a gracious, uh, loving Savior. And so if you ever want to get anything off your chest, it doesn't be about bad sex or anything, but if you ever need to, to talk to somebody and know that you're safe, I promise you. And, and, and believe me, whatever you're going to tell me, I've seen worse. All right. I have heard the most insane things. And so you don't need to stress it. Just know that I'm here. And I know all of our elders are the same way. Um, we're not, uh, we're not, we're not going to shame anybody. But we do want to see us get better. We want to see us move forward. Uh, the next thing, this is a practical, a couple practical issues. Wives don't withhold sex. Uh, if sex is a problem, you can get a therapist, uh, to help. Uh, there are sex therapists, and the Apostle Paul even says this. He's like, don't, don't stay apart too long. Like, make sure you're getting together regularly. And that's because men are pigs. And, uh, we get the itch. And, uh, when we don't scratch the itch, it gets really tough. Um, so please help us out. Uh, do, do, do your part. But guys, guys, uh, there's a flip side of this. Uh, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Um, you, you gotta make her feel like you're connected, okay? So wives, even if you don't feel connected, try to, try to keep your man happy. <laughs> and guys, make your wife know that you love her. Like, that's, it's, it's sometimes very difficult. Uh, but it's the secret to a great marriage. Uh, great marriages are not found, they are made. If you're waiting for like the perfect soul made, that's never going to happen. We're individuals. We're people. And we smash into each other. And it's hard. So if this is all like you're like, uh, things are on the rock. I do have a bunch of resources. Uh, the first, um, if you just come back to the beginning and say what sex is about is about creating and sustaining a family, then you can start to see all of the different ways that Bad sex destroys that. And if you, and if you're feeling like sex is bad, like, dude, we gotta, we can read Love and Respect together. That book is incredible. Um, I use it in premarital counseling, um, and marital counseling. It's, it, it really does help us understand the, the way that we work as, you know, men and women. Um, I have, uh, Tying the Knot, a great premarital book that, um, talks about, you know, the ways that we relate. There's tons of resources. Like, if, if this is something that's an issue, we have got to work on getting great marriages. Um, we, we need those because guess what? Our kids need them. But again, know 
There is no shame. Whatever difficulty you've had with sex over the years um, or marriage, uh, God's a forgiving God. God wants us to work hard at these things um, so that we can fulfill his, our, his mission for us in the world. But know that we're all on the path together. We're all on a journey. We've all, got, we've all got dirt in the closet. But God's not giving up on us because God has a vision for what is supposed to be. And I've been showing this picture at the end of every sermon because what God's vision for this place, for your life, um, is, is community. It's, nur- it's nourished and flourishing life. It's a life that is happy because we're doing what we were made to do and being who we were made to be. Don't let bad sex get in the way. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we confess that sex is hard. It's, it's difficult. Um, we, sometimes it seems like it overpowers us. Sometimes it seems like it's just in our heads too much. Or, and God, we're seeing, we're seeing, man, we're seeing the breakdown of families. And we're seeing how it's impacting uh, kids. We're seeing, um, we're seeing how as a culture we're, we're losing touch with this basic principle of holiness to love the one you're with. And God, I just pray that you'll teach us and show us to love the one we're with. And God, when we've got stuff um, in our past, uh, when we've got maybe things in our present that are just damaging and um, causing breakdown and, and all those things, God, we confess it to you and, and we just ask for the power of your spirit um, to come and free us. Free us from the bad sex. Free, free us from the guilt and the shame. Let us know that you love us so much that you sent Jesus. You love us enough to die for us. And so the stuff we carry, the baggage, is not. it's just not. Break the cycles, God, and show us how to love the one we're with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.